This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Wednesday, December 9th, 2020. Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host for this hour of observation, insight, and absurdity. Hoping that you are having a good day and that uh, all is going well with you. God bless you. Good to have you here. Thank you so much for taking part in the fun. It is a midweek edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast with plenty to talk about today. Maybe more than I have time to, but, you know, we'll do what we can. Uh, If you are a podcast subscriber and you attempted to join the live stream this morning at uh, 9, 8 central, uh, my apologies to you. Another technical glitch. I'm I'm having this fight with the uh, with the setup, and uh, it's really really weird. I let's see. I'm looking over there. That's all working perfectly now. That's all just fine, and uh, that's good. And this and for some reason I'm getting hiccups from my the uh, the streaming package. And this is stuff I worked on. This is interesting. It's it's like I said yesterday. I work on it. I, I, I prepare things. I make sure everything is working. And when it's time to go, it doesn't work. And I'm not really too sure why that is. And it's, and it's all operator malfunction. Trust me, it's operator malfunction. I've tried to upgrade and the, uh, the path that I had been using all of this time that I should, have, <laughs> I should just keep using is not working. So, uh, maybe I should just go back to that. What do you think? I don't know. We'll see. I, I got to be honest with you. I am. I'm working on a uh, a setup right now that I believe is going to is going to do well. I I believe uh, I believe sometime before the end of January, I will have things. Um, I will have things organized and and set up in such a way that the uh, uh, the the podcast will will be live and uh, and everything will work better than it has before on on uh, either Facebook or YouTube or possibly both. We'll see. I just uh, <laughs> it's just the little speed bumps like this right when I'm getting started to get me all bumbled like yesterday. And I I'm not mad today. I'm just confused. Why <laughs> why do you not work? Why? Yeah, well, we'll find out. Oh my, that's not what I wanted to do. I'm clicking while I'm talking to you. I'm clicking buttons, and uh, and let's see, copy that. Okay, good. The um, no, 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 that's not what I wanted to do. The um, uh, come on, Mark, wake up, focus, focus, boy. I'm trying to I'm trying to get things back on track here, and I and I apologize for you being in the midst of my technical weirdness again. Why does this happen to me so much? I mean, I, 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 okay, this is what I need you. I need you to go over here. I need you to stop that, this, and I'm, I'm really puzzled about why. Okay. There we go now. Okay. We're live on you, uh, not on YouTube, but we are live on, um, and we're about to be, uh, 12, nine, 20. There we go. It still won't let me. That's just why. That is so strange. <laughs> this is really. Uh huh. Let's see. Oh, now it will. Oh, it's what I ran into yesterday. 
these little fields that it, it now requires you to fill in that it never used to require you to fill in before. That is so weird. Why do I have to put a description in? Why? It's just, I just don't understand. Okay. Um, where were we? I'll just leave that up and that'll run. And hi, Facebook. Good to have you along. Sorry about the delay, but hey, there you go. That's the, that's the way things work sometimes. Life happens. Um, what do we got today? Lots to talk about. Um, there are, um, hang on, let me pull up my, my uh, list. Gosh. Uh-huh. This is frustrating. And I, and I share the frustration with you because I know, uh, you know me. This is, I'm just trying to make things better and everything. It's like when, like yesterday, I got through, I sat and ran through everything. I double checked everything. Everything worked. I come in this morning. I do all my layouts. I make sure everything, because what I'm trying to do is, is instead of like, if you're on Facebook live right now, you see the flag, you see the logo on the screen. What I'm trying to do instead of what I've been doing is actually put up images from the stories that I'm sharing with you, uh, from the sources and in the breaks, I'm putting up other things during the breaks and, and so that it's not just an image in your in you know, I do audio. I've done radio for years. This is audio. What I do, it's audio. And so, well, yeah, I'm a little familiar with TV. I've, I've done some technical directing and I've done, I mean, I've done a, some camera work and I've done some other things. So I'm familiar with that end of it. I just don't, I just haven't wanted to do it. But I thought, you know, as long as I'm up there, why not? Why should it be boring? All I got to do is just mouse and click, mouse and click, and I can make it a little more interesting. So that's what I've been trying to do. And yeah, it's not working like I want it to. Mm, but we'll see. Like I said, in the next few weeks, after Christmas, before the end of January, I should be able to add one more little piece of equipment to the mix, which will make this situation a bit easier. And uh, it'll give me the ability to, to pop from scene to scene without having to mouse around, and I can use a piece of software I know connects. Like, I've connected right now to Facebook. But the other piece over here that I've, I've, I've tried to use, and it's, it's funny, I go back and look, and it shows that I'm online. It, I come back later, and it says, oh, yeah, you were live. But, but it tells me it's not, I get all these error messages telling me, nope, you can't do that. Nope. You're not registered. Nope. You can't be, you're not approved. You know what I mean? And I know I've just gone through the approval process three times and, and it's, it's let me, in, but it's saying, no, you're not approved. Okay, fine. Uh, whatever. <laughs> just whatever. <laughs> I'll just live with what I have. All right. Back to where I was going to go before I got distracted again. Ah. What to talk about today. There's a story coming out of Florida that you may have seen in what Rush Limbaugh calls the drive-by media, which I think is an incredibly appropriate name because they just kind of drive by the important stories. They just drive by them. They don't dig in. They don't give you the details. They don't, they don't tell you what you really need to know. They just drive by and say, oh, look at that terrible thing that these conservatives or Republicans are doing. That's what they do. They don't actually tell you the whole story. And in that sense, they are lying to you about the news. Well, I want to tell you some more about what's happening in Florida with this health official whose home was raided the other day. And the AP and the other mainstream progressive news sources are all lying to you about what's happened. Okay. And I want to give you that. Also, um, the, uh, the CEO of Dominion has been told he will appear in court. He will appear 
to talk to the folks in Michigan at the House, or he will be subpoenaed. Uh, Sidney Powell has something to say about the Georgia lawsuit. Uh, Texas has filed suit against four states, and seven other states have joined Texas. Seven or eight. I thought I, thought I saw eight last night, but I have a list of seven that I can find this morning. And then um, we will start off with this story coming from the epochtimes.com the joint congressional committee the uh, joint congressional committee on inaugural ceremonies voted down a resolution to acknowledge joe biden as the president elect as president donald trump and other republicans continue lawsuits challenging the results of the november 3rd election this is according to several members of this bipartisan panel The Democrats desperately want Joe Biden to be named the president-elect. They want everyone to just say, oh yeah, he's the president, when he is not. He has not won the election. In fact, there are sizable stacks of credible questions about this election. It is not settled yet and will not be settled until specific things happen. And that's not just the normal flow of events with the Electoral College and those votes. This is about legal issues. As I mentioned a while ago, there's several states which have sued these four battleground states because they've done things which are not legal according to their own state constitutions. They've just ignored their own state laws and done things in order to give Joe Biden the win. They've broken the law in order to give a presidency to someone. So this is still up in the air. It's not done. It won't be done. But the Democrats don't care. They want everyone to call Joe Biden the president-elect. It is so that Their need is so desperate that their pundits, their allies in the press, are now dressing guests down on their talk shows for refusing to acknowledge that Joe Biden is president-elect. This happened with Chris Wallace on Sunday on Fox News when he had a guest in who wouldn't call Joe Biden the president-elect, and Chris Wallace kept insisting that he was. And that is just one reason Fox News has lost millions. Not just a bunch. Millions of viewers. Now, there are three Republicans and three Democrats on this panel from both the House and the Senate, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Of California, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer of Michigan, or Maryland, I should say, and Senators Roy Blunt and Amy Klobuchar. They're also on the committee. Republicans said they made the decision because there are election-related processes that need to play out first before a president-elect can be decided. Quote, this is uh, from... Uh, from Roy Blunt, the Republican of Missouri. He said, it's not the job of the Joint Congressional Committee on inaugural ceremonies to get ahead of the electoral process and decide who we're inaugurating. The JCCIC, that's the inaugural committee, is facing the challenge of planning safe inaugural ceremonies during a global pandemic. 
I would hope that going forward, the members of the JCCIC would adhere to the committee's longstanding tradition of bipartisan cooperation and focus on the task at hand. McConnell, speaking to reporters, noted that the Electoral College meets to elect the president on December 14th. He says this has become a weekly ritual. The Electoral College is going to meet on the 14th and cast a vote, and we're going to have a swearing-in of the next president on the 20th of January. Steny Hoyer issued a statement after the resolution was rejected because, of course, criticizing the GOP's position. He told media outlets after the vote, the extent to which Republicans are refusing to accept the outcome of the election and recognize Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as our next president and vice president is astounding. Actually, no, Mr. Hoyer, it is not astounding. Not when you look at the facts. When you look at the facts, what's astounding is that more Republicans haven't stood up and pointed fingers and had something to say. What's astounding is that more Republicans are more concerned about their careers than they are about the law. What's more astounding is that more Republicans haven't had the backbone to stand up against the uh, haven't had the the backbone to stand up against the people in the deep state who will do everything in their power to destroy them if they push back against them that's what's astounding mr hoyer is that we have so many spineless people who claim to represent the people of the United States. And in the face of obvious voter manipulation and fraud, obvious widespread fraud, in the face of obvious things happening, illegal things happening in this country, to usher in a Democrat who has who has the support of a minority, a small minority of the American people, it's just astounding that you people, you, you, the people, the, the Republicans don't stand up and acknowledge the facts. And this all goes back to some of the things that President Trump said in his inaugural address, which I shared in its entirety with you a few weeks back. He talked about rooting out the corruption. He talked about rooting out the crime. He talked about things that made a lot of people really uncomfortable. He pointed fingers and he rattled cages and he made people mad and this is why I'm back yep I'm the guy in the ball cap and the sunglasses No, I don't wear my sunglasses at night. (laughs) Ah. See, if you're watching on Facebook Live, that's as close as you're going to get it to a live shot. What you're looking at right there. (laughs) That's it. There's no camera in here. There's no budget for a camera. There's no budget for anything. Who am I kidding? All right. Here we are. It's the ninth day of December... 2020, the Wednesday edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Mark Congleton here. Good to have you along. Yeah, I'm a bit cranked up today. And I'll be honest with you, it's a sinus headache. It's driving me crazy. I'm a little, I'm a little cranky. 
It's um, it's a midweek edition, and yesterday we had some big news. Uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton announced early yesterday morning that the state of Texas has filed a lawsuit against four states, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, at the United States Supreme Court for allegedly exploiting the COVID-19 pandemic to justify ignoring federal and state election laws and unlawfully enacting last-minute changes, skewing the results of the 2020 election. They, they go on to say, trust in the integrity of our election processes is sacrosanct, sacrosanct and binds our citizenry and the states of this union together. Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin destroyed that trust and compromised the security and integrity of the 2020 election. The states violated statutes enacted by their duly elected legislatures, thereby violating the Constitution. By ignoring both state and federal law, these states have not only tainted the integrity of their own citizens' votes, but of Texas and every other state that held lawful elections. Their failure to abide by the rule of law casts a dark shadow of doubt over the outcome of the entire election. We now ask that the Supreme Court step in to correct this egregious behavior. The lawsuit alleges that certain officials in the defendant states presented the pandemic as, this just, as a justification for ignoring state laws regarding the absentee and mail-in voting processes. The, the lawsuit says that the result of that was less secure in these states. It's worth noting that top U.S. election officials have disputed this claim, saying that last month's elections were the most secure in American history. Now, I, I got to tell you, it, it may be worth noting, but those officials were fired. That particular guy was fired. He was fired because he was lying. Yeah. The lawsuit continues. This case presents a question of law. Did the defendant states violate the elector's clause by taking non-legislative actions to change the election rules that would govern the appointment of presidential electors? These non-legislative changes to the defendant states' election laws facilitated the casting and counting of ballots in violation of state law, which, in turn, violated the elector's clause of Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the U.S. Constitution. By these unlawful acts, the defendant states have not only tainted the elect integrity of their own citizens' vote, but their actions have also debased the votes of the citizens in plaintiff state and other states that remained loyal to the Constitution. Elections for federal office must comport with federal constitutional standards. For presidential elections, each state must appoint its electors to the Electoral College in a manner that complies with the Constitution. This is according to Mr. Paxton in a statement. He goes on to say the electors clause requirement that only one only state legislatures may set the rules governing the appointment of electors and elections and cannot be delegated to local officials. The majority of the rushed decisions made by local officials were not approved by the state legislatures, thereby circumventing the Constitution. The lawsuit the lawsuit itself continues. Without defendant states' combined 72 electoral votes, President Trump presumably has 232 electoral votes, and former Vice President Biden presumably has 234. Thus, defendant states' electors will determine the outcome of the election. 
Alternatively, if defendant states are unable to certify 37 or more electors, neither candidate will have a majority in the Electoral College, in which case the election would devolve to the U.S. House of Representatives under the 12th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And this is something we've been talking about for a while, that under the 12th Amendment, if things don't if things are stalled, if they are interrupted, if things don't work the way they're supposed to, and we're watching it all fall apart right now, then this goes to the House. The House, representing the 50 states, has more Republican representation as far as the states are concerned. More states have Republican representatives than are Democrats. And, of course, what will happen if they are faithful to their party and faithful to the law, they will place Donald Trump back in office again. Because it is obvious that what has happened is that the Democrat Party and those who stand behind it, (coughs) Communist China, and others, have uh, conspired to steal an election from the American people and install who they wish as president of the United States. Now, more than just Texas is involved, um, let me go here. Seven more states have joined the Texas Supreme Court Equal Protection Clause lawsuit against the corrupt states of Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Those states include Louisiana, Arkansas, Alabama, Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi, South Carolina, and South Dakota. That's actually, that's eight states. Eight states plus Texas. And there are plenty of other red states which could be getting on board. Iowa, Nebraska, Montana, North Dakota, Kansas, Indiana, Ohio, West Virginia, and there are more. So, we should hope and pray that in the next day or so, These other states get on board with this lawsuit. They jump on and stand before the Supreme Court and make their argument that what we're watching happen in these states, in these corrupt states of Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, I would add Nevada to that. I would add Arizona to that because we're seeing seeing real corruption come out of both of those states. Dead voters, illegals voting, and the like. They should jump on board with this and make the case before the Supreme Court and have the Supreme Court declare this election as invalid because of criminal activity, criminal activity by the Democrat Party and its surrogates. This is one of the reasons that I have for years referred to the people in Washington, D.C., our representatives and our senators, I've just referred to them as the criminals in D.C. Because they have a they have a gigantic scam going on. They run for office, they go, they really don't do a heck of a lot except in, appear on television shows, on news shows, and stand in front of cameras and make speeches. They're good at public appearances and they're good at delivering speeches. 
But when you get them, you get them essentially in a corner and start really questioning them, they fall apart because one, in many cases, they really don't know what they're talking about. And two, and that the reason they don't know what they're talking about is because other people are doing the work. They have staffs of people who are doing things who are handling things. They're getting stuff handled for them. And they're not getting much done. There are some people who've been in office for decades who might've had participation in naming a post office or two, but that's about it. They're really not getting anything done. And they go home and talk about the way they're fighting for the people back home, but they're really not fighting for the people back home. What they're fighting for is political power and control. These people are true believers. They really believe they're right. And when you have somebody without a moral compass who believes they're right, they will literally do anything to get to their goal. And so these people, much like criminals who buy illegal guns off the street and use them to hurt other people, will not obey more gun laws. These people will not care one bit if there's more regulation governing how they govern. What has to happen is that these people have to be removed from government. They have to be taken out of the picture entirely. They have to be replaced with people who are honest and actually do have a moral compass. Otherwise, they're just going to continue doing what they've been doing for all this time. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. Good to have you along. Thank you so much for being there. If you're a subscriber, thanks. Thanks a lot. If you have shared the podcast with friends, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. If you haven't shared the, the podcast with friends and you are a podcast subscriber, please send me a note. Tell me why not. I'd like to know. Mark at dailyperspectivepodcast.com. All right, back to the news. Coming from the EpochTimes.com, attorney Sidney Powell said, it's extremely unsettling to know that American elections are just as rigged as the elections in third world countries. She said so on the Huckabee Show on Saturday. Powell even suggested that the CIA might have been involved in creating the software used by Dominion, which she says is a company that should not be trusted with determining the election results, citing numerous witness statements from contractors and experts. Powell says it may have been the CIA that created the software and programs to begin with and then exported them for their own use only to have it come back to us. That's an interesting thought, that the CIA created something to be used in foreign countries to, uh, to overturn despots and evil people and now it's being used against us last month she called on cia director gina haspel to be fired immediately arguing that dominion voting systems should not have been allowed to be used in the elections while calling for an investigation of state officials who approved purchases of the machines hmm. 
During her interview, Powell said that some very important, powerful, and extremely wealthy people might be involved in rigging the election because of globalists' interests. She says they could profit from their own nefarious activities. I'm sure the media companies are involved in it, too. She said so, responding to host Mike Huckabee's comment that the media keeps reporting that there's no evidence of massive voter fraud. She says, I noticed how they, all on the same night, as if they were queued at once, they stopped counting electoral votes, and the machines stopped counting in the swing states. It was all timed and planned and organized and funded. Powell pointed out that Democrats, like Representative Carol, Carolyn Maloney, the Democrat from New York, Senator Elizabeth Warren, the Democrat from Massachusetts, the Democrat from Minnesota, Amy Klobuchar, were among the first to express concerns with the voting software well before the 2020 election. Maloney wrote a letter to then-Secretary of Treasury in 2006 asking for more information about Smartmatic's acquisition of Sequoia voting systems. Then a Warren, Warren in 2009 wrote to executives whose private equity firms respectively owned Dominion and Hart Intervic, uh, InterCivic, that's two of three election technology vendors who allegedly control over 90% of all votes in the United States. Powell also mentioned a video showing a 15-year-old hacking into Dominion voting machines in a span of 10 minutes. She says, and a pro can do it in less than two. We also identified the fact that Smartmatic, Dominion, people left the VPNs wide open and unencrypted to allow access by all kinds of foreign actors the night of the election. This isn't the first time it's happened. We don't even know how many elections have been rigged by virtue of the software. However, Powell told Mike Huckabee, it's not too late to address the problems seen in the 2020 election. She pointed to the surveillance video that captured election workers at the State Farm Arena in Georgia, counting ballots after poll watchers and media were told to leave. Quote, they counted for three hours and put illegal ballots through the machine. That was more than 20,000 votes for Biden. That alone flips the state of Georgia. Francis Watson, chief investigator with the Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger's office, wrote in a court filing on December 6th that observers and media were not asked to leave. Quote, they simply left on their own when they saw one group of workers whose job was to only open envelopes and who had completed that task also leave. However, several poll observers in Georgia said under penalty of perjury that they were effectively told to go home on election night before ballot counting seemingly resumed for several hours with no observers present, which would be in violation of state law. We also know, we've discussed it here, I've shared the stories with you, that the mainstream press was reporting that next morning they all were told to go home. They stopped counting that night. Everybody was on the same page in that 24-hour period. Everybody was until it became obvious that people were catching on. Ah, uh, and then the story changed. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. They weren't told to go home. And we have testimony from person after person saying, I, uh, yeah, and we have names. We know who these people were. We know they did it. So we know that they were told to leave. We're done for the night. And when everybody left, they all had a look around, made sure everybody was gone. And then they pulled out those, all those, those boxes of ballots and started scanning them in. 
running them through the tabulators. And in some of the video, it looks like stacks are processed, set on the desk, picked up again, and processed again. Mm. It's a crazy situation. And she's right. It's, it's like a third world country election where things were rigged. And I kind of agree with her. It is a lot like a third world banana republic election. Venezuela comes to mind. In Michigan, a lawmaker leading the investigation into the 2020 election threatened Dominion voting systems, their CEO, with a subpoena if he doesn't appear before his committee voluntarily. State Representative Matt Hall, a Republican who chairs the Michigan House Oversight Committee, said in a letter Monday obtained by the Epoch Times that he sent a missive last month asking Dominion CEO John Polo, uh, Poulos to testify before the committee. Hall wrote to Poulos in, the new, in this new letter, I have not received an answer to my request. I'm writing again to request your appearance before the House Oversight Committee so that we can further investigate Dominion's role in the election. The representative said there have been a number of claims and accusations regarding Dominion's software and the results of the election and that Poulos could help lawmakers and voters better understand the election software. If Poulos cannot make it in person, testimony via Zoom would serve. Hall writes, if Dominion chooses to ignore this second request to come before the committee, I'm prepared to seek legislative subpoena power and compel your appearance before the House of House Oversight Committee. I'm hopeful that it would not come to this. Of course, Dominion hasn't responded to requests for comments. Dominion makes both election equipment and software. The company says it provides voting systems in 28 states. It has challenged claims that its products were un unreliable during the presidential election and claimed it's nonpartisan and not affiliated with any political par figures or parties. <laughs> well, of course it challenged claims that the products were unreliable. They were completely reliable. They did exactly what they're designed to do. <laughs> Poulos testified to U.S. Congress in January. Dominion hasn't sent him uh, or others to answer questions before any legislative body since the November 3rd election. Dominion planned to send at least one representative to testify before lawmakers in Pennsylvania last month, but backed out. State Representative Seth Grove, a Republican who chairs the Government Oversight Committee, during a press conference said, instead of running toward the light of honesty and integrity, Dominion voting systems retreated into the darkness. Why? Why would a vendor of public goods fear discussing, discussing their products sold to the public for the public good? If, Dominion, if Dominion's products were successful and operated as they were supposed to, why wouldn't Dominion take the opportunity to publicly review its success? How hard is it to say our ballot machines worked exactly as promised and they are 100% accurate? In a, uh, in a statement emailed to the Epoch Times, Kay Stimson, Dominion's Vice President of Government Affairs, confirmed the company had agreed to the hearing, saying, however, that conversation was overshadowed yesterday by threats of litigation coming towards our company during a national press conference. 
as we wait the opportunity await the opportunity to debunk the baseless conspiracy theories being offered about Dominion and its voting systems in a court of law, we had to ask for a postponement of the discussion. Notably, our company doesn't even support Philadelphia or some of the other jurisdictions being targeted by attorneys in their remarks. Lawmakers in multiple states have held hearings on allegations of election fraud and irregularities. Hall and other lawmakers listened to testimony from President Donald Trump's lawyer Rudy Giuliani, poll workers, and experts during a hearing last week. Hall said after the hearing, he was seeking to glean information about what can be done to make our state's elections run more smoothly in the future. I want to stress that today was not about partisan politics. It was a piece of the puzzle as we try to figure out what happened and we'll continue to gather more. We have invited Dominion Voting Systems in to speak on software issues and tabulation irregularities in Michigan, but so far they have not agreed to speak before our committee. We will not stop getting answers for the people of Michigan, as it is a pillar of our panel's work. Dominion software has been so questionable for so long that... uh, Oh, go away. Um, Dominion's software, Dominion Systems, have been in question by Democrats, even beforehand. In the run-up to the election, in the year before the election, there were a handful of Democrats who testified that they were they didn't trust Dominion's systems because they were afraid of the ability for them to be hacked. They saw the obvious. They saw the truth. They saw what could happen, and they expressed their opinions about it then. But now that it's clear that those weaknesses have been exploited, to their party's benefit, they're strangely quiet. It's obvious to anybody with a couple of gray cells to bump together who can create a thought that Dominion and other systems like it are being used to manipulate the vote. And in that manipulation, they're they're taking your vote away from you they are stealing your votes and giving them to people you didn't vote for part of the algorithm we've seen discussed time and time again part of the way the controls are set up is that when you cast a vote for Trump he only got a percentage of that vote not all of it and the rest of it went to Joe Biden but every vote Joe Biden got he got every bit of it it's obvious if you've been paying attention this election was rigged and here we go Time to roll into the last segment for this Wednesday edition of the podcast. And I promise tomorrow we won't start off going full blast over speed bumps like we have the last couple of days. It's just not going to happen. It's not worth it. As excited as I got about everything working and then it didn't work. That's why I was bugged about it. Oh, cool. It's all working. Yay. Audio's working. Everything's working. It's all. Wait, what? I just, no, I'm not going to go through that again. <laughs> What's crazy is it, it's in, it's inconsistent. It'll work like a gem, and then when I need it to, it doesn't. It's, it's, no, I'm not going to trust it anymore. It's a, uh, 
It's the final segment, and I mentioned this off the top, uh, the story about this woman in Florida who was arrested and is now accusing uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of sending the, the, the Gestapo after her. Uh, and you, you've seen some about it in the mainstream press, or as, as Limbaugh calls it, the drive-by media. And what you've gotten is the drive-by report. You have not gotten a complete, total, clear report on what's actually going on. And hopefully, from Daily Caller, we've got the whole thing. A former Florida state health official named Rebecca Jones tweeted out a video of police raiding her home Monday. Allegedly, they pointed guns at her and her kids before confiscating her tech hardware. Jones, who was fired from the Florida Department of Health in May for insubordination, accused Republican Governor Ron DeSantis of sending the Gestapo after her after being critical of his handling of the coronavirus pandemic. However, Florida Department of Law Enforcement Commissioner Rick Swearingen said police raided the home after they traced a hack into the DOH emergency alert system. They traced it back to her house. Florida State Police stormed the home of the ousted state health official in a dramatic scene captured on video leading to widespread criticism of Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. But the official allegedly hacked into Florida's alert system. Former Florida State Health official Rebecca Jones tweeted a video of police raiding her home on Monday, alleging they pointed guns at her and her kids, a detail that the footage doesn't corroborate, before confiscating her tech hardware. The story, quick, uh, of course, quickly went viral, with the video being viewed more than 8 million times and her tweet thread receiving more than 120,000 retreats. She tweeted, this was DeSantis. He sent the Gestapo. This is what happens to scientists who do their jobs honestly. The story was trending on Twitter Monday with over 310,000 tweets sent, according to TransMap. And Jones was interviewed by CNN. Anchor Chris Cuomo did this Monday night. She told Cuomo that Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis needs to stop worrying about her and more about the Floridians who are sick and dying. Now, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? That's the leftist take on anyone who doesn't agree on the panic. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement contradicted Jones's account of the police raid in a statement Monday. The department said the raid and search warrant was part of an investigation into a hack into the state's emergency alert system that could be traced back to Jones's home. Quote, our investigation began last month following a complaint by Florida Department of Health that a person illegally hacked into their emergency alert system. This comes from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement Commissioner Rick Swearingen. He goes on to say, as part of our investigation, FDLE agents served a search warrant this morning at the Centerville Court residence where Mrs. Jones lives after determining the home was the location that the unauthorized message was sent from. Swearing and added that state police officers uh, repeatedly knocked on Jones' doors over the course of 20 minutes on Monday morning. She also hung up on agents when they called her. Swearing and says after several attempts, Ms. Jones allowed agents inside. Agents entered the home in accordance with normal protocols and seized several devices that will be forensically analyzed. At no time were weapons pointed at anyone in the home. An unknown person infiltrated the Department of Health's alert system on November 10th and urged officials on the state emergency response team, which is tasked with handling the state's public health response, to, quote, speak up before another 17,000 people are dead, end quote. 
according to the Tampa Bay Times. The anonymous message said, you know, this is wrong. You don't have to be part of this. Be a hero. Speak out before it's too late. A spokesperson for the DOH called the hack irresponsible and unlawful. According to the Tampa Bay Times, the agency notified the FDLA, um, FDLE immediately after the hack. Jones denied responsibility for the hack during her interview with Cuomo Monday night, saying, I haven't had access to any system at DOH for over six months. I'm not a hacker. She used to be Florida's top data scientist. Hmm. She says, I'm not that tech savvy. I have no interest in reaching out to DOH. The FDLE and Jones didn't immediately respond to requests for comments. But back in May, Jones was fired for repeated insubordination, according to DeSantis spokesperson Helen Aguirre-Ferre. She told uh, this to the Miami Herald back when this all happened. Before she was fired, she oversaw Florida's coronavirus dashboard. It tracks new viruses and uh, virus cases and death statistics and had also been critical of the state for its alleged lack of transparency. The firing received both local and national attention with the Associated Press, The Guardian, NPR, and uh, CBS, and, and, and NBC News, publishing stories about it. Jones accused DeSantis of firing her for not manipulating data to support the cases, the state's reopening policies. That's according to Florida Today. Democrat Florida Rep. Kathy Castor said in a statement back in May, Amidst pressure to reopen the state, regardless of data and science, transparency is vital to keeping our neighbors safe and ensuring that we, that they have confidence that our government is reporting honestly. I'm requesting immediate answers as to why Ms. Jones was fired and how the state intends to fully report all COVID-19 public health data without censorship by the Department of Health or anyone else. But she told the Herald that Jones made decisions to modify the department's COVID-19 dashboard without input or approval from the epidemiological team or her supervisors. DeSantis said in a response to questions about the firing, according to NPR, our data is available. Our data is transparent. In fact, Dr. Burks has talked multiple times about how Florida has the absolute best data. So any insinuation otherwise is just typical partisan narrative trying to be spun. Jones's accusation that she was fired for not manipulating data concerns a request from her superiors in DOH to temporarily disable the ability for the public to export the data so the agency could verify the data. This is according to Tallahassee reports. A single column of coronavirus data was temporarily, temporarily disabled and unavailable for a day and a half. In his comments on Jones, DeSantis also criticized DOH for not firing Jones earlier than they did over her pending criminal stalking charges. Florida State University fired Jones in 2017 for having an affair with a student, and she was later charged with cyber stalking after the student filed a restraining order. DeSantis said, I've asked the Department of Health to explain to me how someone would be allowed to to be charged with that and continue on. Because this was many months ago. DeSantis has been criticized for his aggressive reopening policies amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. According to Politico, Florida began its phase one reopening on May 18th, even as most states remained shut down. 
Since the outbreak of coronavirus in the spring, Florida has reported roughly 1.1 million cases and 19,281 deaths as of Tuesday. That's according to the New York Times. Now, we also have to consider sources here. Okay. New York Times, Politico. 19,281 cases out of 1.1 million, or deaths out of 1.1 million cases. That's not a very high percentage. I know one death is too many, but still, they're inflating this to levels way outside normal sensibilities. So this, this person, this former employee, was fired... And part of the reason she was fired was for cyber-stalking someone. She, has penimal, she had pending criminal stalking charges. She's clearly, mm, she's clearly a leftist who has decided to believe the panic rather than the reality. And as a result... She apparently did something she should not have done. But you're not being told the whole story. When you look at things, when you step back and take, as a friend of mine likes to say, the 30,000-foot perspective, when you look at what's happening with this, with this woman and you, you realize police stood on the porch for 20 minutes knocking on the door and she hung up the phone, she wouldn't talk to them, she wouldn't let them in. I... I think if they did go in weapons drawn, I don't think it was uncalled for if they did, although they say they didn't point guns at anybody. How do you know going into a situation like that with somebody who is someone who is clearly hostile? What's behind the door? Again, police deal with things every day you and I can't imagine. But now you know more of the story. Ron DeSantis did not send in the Gestapo. A an ethically challenged young woman has apparently done something highly illegal, and because she has no moral compass, she has decided that the authorities are evil, evil for not agreeing with her. And I think that's what this boils down to. It's something we're seeing a lot today. And in some cases, people you don't even know who think like this woman will walk up to you in the supermarket and scream at you for simply scratching your nose underneath your mask. That's the mentality we're dealing with today. And that's time to leave. God bless you. Have a good day. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Oh, we're uh, we're done.